0: And welcome to the one-on-one Diabetes Care podcast program, looking at different type two personalities, different coping styles, different supporting roles, switching hats in type two care. In each episode, you will hear from various experts across the diabetes care space in Canada to bring you perspectives, real life patient scenarios, and tools on how to tailor behavioral support strategies based on the different personalities and coping styles of people with type 2 diabetes. Hello, everybody. My name is Michael Vallis. I'm a health psychologist from family medicine at Dalhousie University, and I've been involved for quite a few years on the interface, really, between the medical management of diabetes and the psychological management. Uh, I'd like to introduce to you today uh, a session called Uncovering the Psychology Behind Type 2 Diabetes Self-Management to Adapt Your Supporting Role in Type 2 Care. This is one of four episodes, and today I'd like to focus on the theory behind different coping styles that our patients present with in the management of their type 2 diabetes And importantly, the supporting role that the diabetes provider can adopt. The remaining three episodes will be the practical applications of this approach to specific types of individuals. As you consider this task that we face, maybe I could ask you to reflect. How often have you found yourself working with individuals living with type 2 diabetes? Where you're able to focus on the medication, any modifications required to their medical management, as well as the technology behind glucose monitoring. And yet, over time, the patients continue to experience challenges following through on our recommendation. I guess the question that we could all reflect on is are there additional ways that we might better support people so that we can? Meet them where they are. And what I mean by that is how do we understand the nature of the patient that we're working with? Do they have particular traits that might drive their attitudes or their behaviors? And what if we could begin to simply recognize and understand who it is that we're collaborating with? And this is the purpose of Our podcasts. So, this series was designed to increase awareness of an approach that is actually prepared to fill some of the important self management gaps in care. We're going to use real life patient scenarios. And the real aim is to help diabetes providers by facilitating the identification. Of different archetypes of people with type 2 diabetes based on their coping style and how they experience challenges and barriers in their self-management. In other words, is there a way that we could simply understand their personalities, what traits they bring to us, and how they respond to the tasks that we ask them to take on in diabetes management. And importantly, Can we tailor our supportive role in working with different patient archetypes? We know that self-management support drives type 2 diabetes management, but perhaps we can get more out of the different roles that our relationship can play in that journey. As we reflect on the task of diabetes self-management, would it surprise you to know that the Most common coping response is for people to want to minimize their disease. In essence, nobody wants to be sick. And so reflecting on type 2 diabetes, what I think is critically important for us to understand is what is the work that we're asking our patients to take on? And we know that the pillars of self-management are really five independent activities healthy eating and its role in maintaining good glycemic control, physical activity, medication adherence, monitoring glucose, and addressing the mental health aspects. These are the guideline-driven pillars of type 2 diabetes management. If you reflect on the fact, though, that nobody wants to be sick, all of those activities monitoring your eating altering your physical activity behavior ensuring medication adherence monitoring glucose and screening for and addressing mental health issues all of these could potentially become additional burdens and i think this this really is what will account for the self-management support gap and so When we think about our role with our patients, there's a concept that I think is really important for us to think about, and it's engagement. And if uh, individuals really want to just kind of get on with their life, and we have the pillars of diabetes management that we'd like to recommend that they put significant effort into, then how do we interact with our patients in a way that engages them. So their, their willingness to follow these recommendations. And I think this is where understanding our patients becomes very, very important. Because our patients will present with certain attitudes and beliefs that are really necessary to take into consideration as we manage the medical aspects of the disease. And importantly, we can use our relationship to leverage these attitudes and engagement, meeting people where they are and helping them overcome the barriers. And so in doing this, we really rely on what we know as our core ability to support self-management, which is collaborative, interactive, and yet individualized to promote self-management. And I think what I like about this program is that it helps us to individualize Based on science, based on what we know about how we can support people, and what we know about how people actually are likely to engage with care. And so, my question to you is Are you interested in understanding, in a fairly simple way, how we can categorize the patients that present to us based on their personality and how they are likely going to respond? to the recommendations that we make to them. In understanding how we can support individuals with type two diabetes, we've relied on a, a, a minimal intervention strategy called the five A's. And I'm sure that this is something that you're all familiar with. Ask, assess, advise, agree, assist. But I'd like us to think a little bit more deeply about the five A's. And in particular, can that strategy for supporting self-management help us to identify what our roles are? And so if we think about ask, assess, well, in, in this situation, we're actually being an investigator. We're actually trying to identify the pieces, put the pieces together, and this is a very important role that we would play. As we go on to make advice and recommendations, now we're coaching our patients. We're actually creating a plan with them, helping them address any skills that they require and provide any any tools that they have. As we go from advise into agree, we're actually then counseling them. Now we're in a role in which we're listening and we're supporting, and we're really the kind of in that situation to, to provide the, the empathic bond that allows our patients to continue to struggle to change. As we move towards the agree component, this puts us in a role of really understanding what the patient is able to accomplish and capitalize on it. In others words, we're the kind of reinforcer. we were able to identify the new behaviors our patients engage in. Their confidence might be very low. And our job is to reinforce those and provide that encouraging con- context for them to continue. And then the last 5A is to assist. So they're going to uncover barriers as they integrate these recommendations into their lifestyle. Now we become an advocate. So ask, assess, advise, agree, assist, which you're all familiar with, may well provide you with the opportunity to be an investigator, a coach, a counselor, a reinforcer, and an advocate. And so perhaps you could just reflect on some of your patient encounters. Perhaps think about a recent patient and your goal. And then think about the role that you adapted or adopted that could Meet the needs of the patients. And I'd invite you to think about these uh, support roles as a way of understanding how to match to the patient's need. Now, in order to really make the best use out of these roles, it's going to be very important for you to just get an appreciation of, of your patient. And as a psychologist, this is something that I can st- say with a fair amount of conviction which is we can understand people's personalities. Personality is stable behavioral traits, stable over time and stable across situations. And there's been tremendous amount of research just trying to categorize, how do you understand personality? And what's really nice about this is that there is a perspective that's basically allowed us to look at personality in terms of some very... Straightforward concepts. So, for instance, conscientiousness, agreeableness, optimism, or what psychologists call neuroticism, that tendency to anxiety, to worry, to being kind of unstable. These are basic personality characteristics. And what we've been able to do in this program is try to understand how these personalities. Could make sense. And so certain personalities help the individual become more resilient when they have to take on the task of diabetes management. And one nice way you could think about this personality style would be the tackling spirit. Isn't that an interesting concept? This idea that some people like, okay, doc, yep, I get it, let's work together. So they sort of take it on, and you can see how that can be really beneficial to them. These individuals become activated, they're able to maintain optimism, and they're able to integrate their disease into how they see themselves. And so these individuals are actually quite easy to manage and they they usually achieve pretty good outcomes. On the other hand, there are these individuals who tend towards this sort of neuroticism. That is, they tend to avoid, they might become distracted, they want to minimize things, or they just kind of become overwhelmed and give up. And so if you think about your patient types, I wonder if you could really just even reflect on that. Some people rise to the challenge and some people are kind of crushed by the challenge. And this fits very much into their personalities. And it also links directly to their coping styles. And I'd like you to, um, again, reflect on how people cope. And again, this is an area that we have a lot of research on, coping styles. And in fact, the personality, if you think about the tackling spirit or the overwhelmed person, then those nature of the person's individual personality characteristics actually links very much to their coping style. And so not only have we taken a very well-established approach to personality, but we've also taken a well-established approach to coping styles. And there are three types of coping. There's what we call avoidance-based coping. Bury your head in the sand, just make it go away, just minimize things as much as you can. There is the what we call emotion-focused coping, the person who tends to become distressed and overwhelmed and distracted and and this person is really um, highly emotional and tends to 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 be really inactive. And then there's what we call the action focused coper. And this is where you can see the individual who you know becomes really focused. And so I'd just like you to to reflect on that. So we've got personality characteristics that sort of speak to the nature of the, of the patients that we work with. And and I'm would invite you to begin to think about the tackling spirit and that sort of neurotic overwhelmed style. And then the coping styles, emotional, avoidant, or action focused. And what we're able to do in this program is suggest to you, this actually makes perfect sense. So we would like to introduce you to three profiles based on personality and coping. And those profiles would be called the struggler this is the person who struggles emotionally and functionally with managing diabetes that their challenges in life get in the way of them being able to ma- manage their behavior or if they do engage in behaviors it tends to be short-lived so this person struggles then there's the the simplifier the person who just wants to make it easy, and they actually present as though things are fine. How many people, times have you seen somebody say, "Oh yeah, I'm doing well," and you actually kind of look at their record, you look in more detail, and you realize, actually, you're you're just doing the minimum. You're just trying to make it really simple, and in a way, you're sort of avoiding. This is a well-established profile based on how we understand personality coping, and then we have our strivers, and these are our active copers, those that are able to integrate into their life, their diagnosis, and they're able to maintain a focus on long-term health. And so when you reflect on the nature of your patients, the invitation to you is, can you begin to recognize the struggler, the simplifier, or the striver? And I would invite you to the follow-up podcast because each of the next podcasts will be standalone episodes that take this perspective of the struggler and the simplifier and the driver, and there will be one podcast for each. And then we'll look at how our roles as investigators, coaches, counselors, reinforcers, advocates can actually match those individuals. And if you're interested, you can always access the one-on-one care.ca website that can provide more information about these topics. So I would strongly encourage you to take advantage of the opportunity of really taking something really complex, which is how do you figure people out? And, And actually thinking, well, actually, maybe it's not so complicated. Maybe there's some basic archetypes. And that those archetypes can be matched with various self-managed support roles. And we hope that we'll be able to close the self-management gap by recognizing the nature of the patients that we see and the nature of their coping styles and then support them to help them achieve their next step. Thank you for listening. For more information, to complete the one-on-one care self-learning program or to access a variety of practical resources, please visit www.oneononecare.ca.